Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of LTTK Let's Toast to Knowledge. My name is Ololade, as you may already know. And of course, we're doing culture series. In today's episode, this is a different country, of course. And I'm really excited about it because I know that someone has called me a Russian mafia one day because I wore like a short bob wig hair and I put on red lipstick and a very fascinating coat. So there's something about the Russians and how they dress. And I'm really excited to talk to Aliona about this. So if you don't already know, we're going to Russia. And for this, I would like to introduce to you Aliona. Hi, Aliona, how are you doing? And thank you for coming here today. Hey, Lola. And hello, guys. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah, I'm good. Ready to answer all your questions. <laughs> Great. So to start with, can you just tell me about Russia? What is Russia known for? What is one thing that Russia is known for? And maybe the capital of Russia? Oh my God, we have so many things we know for. But like, I think we're the biggest country in the world, you know? <laughs> How much like, the population? Population, I think it's 160 million or something like this. Uh huh. Yeah, wow. So, yeah, super big country. It's like 80, 85 regions we have now. Mm. So, yeah, quite impressive. I think it will be a bit hard for me to speak for <laughs> everybody. So, I think I can speak only from my experience, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you are talking about the size. Tell me where Russia is located and now the capital of Russia and then the region. So then I would ask you about language because you're saying that there are like so many regions. So what is the language in Russia? I think I'm asking too many questions. So first of where is Russia located? What is the capital of Russia? And what languages are spoken or what is the official language? I know the answer, but you know, for the sake of this. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, Russia is located in Europe and Asia. Uh, For example, I came from uh, a city named Yekaterinburg, which located exactly on the border between Europe and Asia. Uh (laughs) Yeah, so um, our capital, Moscow, is located in Europe, as well as some part of Russia, but like biggest part belongs to Asia. Okay. And, um, well, as for language, official language is Russian. Yep. Uh, but uh, since we have like many nationalities, many nations living together, mm-hmm. so um, also you can hear some other languages. For example, in uh, Kazan, people speak in Tatar often. What? In Bakhurtistan, Tatar. Tatar. It's a language. Yes. Um, because uh, Tatars lives in uh, this region. In Bashkortostan, in another region, people can speak their language. Like mm-hmm. we have many, many nations living together. So sometimes you can um, meet guys from Azerbaijan or Armenia or Germans even sometimes. So yeah, for example, I um, in my school I had in class like Russian people, of course, Ukrainians, guy from Greek. Uh, Armenian girls, so mm-hmm. you know it's kind of multinational. So we yeah. get to use to it. So the countries that are, should I say, the countries or the citizens of other countries that are living in Russia? Could you tell me some of them? Because 
if Russia is a very big country, feels to me like it's a country made up of countries, you know. So what are those countries? Well, um, we are not really that separated, I think, uh, as, for example, in Italy. <laughs> yeah, as Berza told, I have some experience also uh, with Italian guys. And they really tell, yes, you know, um, we try to uh, differ, to stress how different we are, you know, one region from another. Mm-hmm. Yes, I don't really feel that way. You don't um, feel that it's very different? I mean, we are very collectivistic country, really. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe that's what helps us to, you know, stay together. <laughs> so, what are Russians known for? Like, if Russia. I see you, right, how do I know that you're Russian? Tell me something that a Russian is known for. You know, in the beginning, I mentioned something about a Russian mafia. Something about the look, the dressing, I don't know. So, tell me, is there something that is very typical of a Russian? Mm, if we talk about stereotypes, many mm-hmm. people told me, uh, brains, I mean that they thought at first that Russians are not friendly people because, uh, you know, we don't smile so much, we don't let people come like close to us very you know, quick, so we keep the distance at first, but really when um, you find people, you know, you know people more, then we become like super friendly and stuff, so uh, that is not true, <laughs> that we are oh, not... Is that a stereotype or it's something that Russians are known for? Because what I asked was, um, known for. Oh, what okay. are Russians known for? There's also the part where I'm, get, I'm going to ask you about <laughs> these conceptions, which are like the stereotypes, you know, that are not true. So there's this quote I have, it's like a jacket, it's a long black jacket. And I don't know why when I wear it, people tell me that I look like a Russian mafia. I know I've mentioned it. So tell me, is there like something typical of a Russian in terms of dressing or look? Currently, like how Russians look, I think that girls like uh, spend more time and more efforts uh, to look better. In the appearance, we wear a lot of makeup, um, we style our hair, uh, we try to find the nice clothing and stuff. So, yeah, sometimes in Europe, you can totally see who is Russian because she's wearing heels, for example. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> but you don't well, wear maybe. heels. <laughs> no, I mean, many uh, girls who just came, they do. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. yeah, I mean, we have jokes about it. Um, it's nothing serious, but like, yeah. After uh, wearing some heels for a few days, you just like, no. <laughs> no, not anymore. <laughs> So you yeah. think, um, so Russians are very fashionable, is that it? Well, uh, especially in big cities, yes, for sure. Okay, yeah, great. <laughs> All right, so your name is Alio, is it Aliona or Alena? Because I've kind of had like, you know. Yeah, so it's Aliona. 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 Yes, we have this sound Io, it's like German loud, I would say. Yeah, okay. so um, it's hard for uh, brain people sometimes to pronounce it, so I'm like, mm-hmm. choose everything. <laughs> so your full name, could you pronounce your full name for me and tell me the meaning? So, um, yeah, my full Russian name is Praslova Alena Anatolievna. So we have a patronym, 
in the end of the name. Mm. So that means uh, each showing who is my father is like my name, name of my father, name of my father. Yeah. Okay. So what does Aliona mean? Uh, the meaning of the name is something like sunlight, lighty, sunny, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Is it a popular mm-hmm. name in Russia? It's a traditional name in Russia, yes. And uh, my dad convinced my mom to give me this name because he told that, you know, in the Russian folklore, uh, mm-hmm. the character names Alena, mm-hmm. they're always like a good character, positive people, nice. Ah, okay. <laughs> So yeah, you're supposed to represent the good character. <laughs> yes, I'm always supposed to. <laughs> so in your family, like, or in Russia, is it typically the parents who name the child when the child is born? Yeah, or so could aunties, uncles, grandparents name as well? I mean, relatives can suggest something, but usually it's uh, parents' business to choose a name, you come to some compromise, like you both should like the name. Mm -hmm. That's it. Okay. Okay, great. So describe Russia in three words. Describe your country, Russia, in three words. It's huge. It's generous. And I think sometimes unpredictable. Unpredictable in the sense of what exactly? Do you mean weather? Because weather, German weather is very unpredictable, for example. It's hot today, tomorrow it's raining. So what do you mean by unpredictable? I think that sometimes you can see or mean the things that you didn't expect to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I mean, of course, uh, I heard this story so that, oh, when you go to Russia, be prepared to meet bears uh, on the streets of big cities. Yes, sometimes that happens. <laughs> okay, really? Well, I mean, it's not like wild anymore. Ah, okay. uh, yeah, sometimes it's trained, uh, but um, yeah. For example, once I went to my university and I saw a camel on the way, and I was like, what? You saw it what? was a camel. It a was camel. middle of the winter, yes. Wow. I was, like, I was like, how come? Then found out that, um, yeah. Uh, new circus party came to the city and they walked their camels nearby but still uh, you know sometimes okay. you don't <laughs> sometimes you just don't expect to see animals on the road and you see them that's what you I mean, mean it's not only animals uh, sometimes uh, our people do some crazy stuff i think uh, uh, there is even instagram account like crazy russians or something like this and ah. my friend is always sending me videos until is it true is it true? <laughs> <laughs> Give me an example. What is one crazy thing? Uh, well, um, I think that she showed me the videos of like Russian soldiers. Uh, they uh, used uh, steps, stairs, as a way to slide from downstairs. So they showed like um, you know uh, army techniques. Uh-huh. They should do in case of I don't know some terrorist attack or something like okay. this, and it looked really impressive. And she's like, "Do they do this?" <laughs> like I don't know. I see this for the first time. <laughs> ah, I can imagine. Okay, yeah, it's like super cool. So, what's the weather like in Russia, though? I've heard that it's kind of maybe the coldest place. It's colder. It's even colder than Canada, as I heard. So, tell me. 
about the weather in Russia? What 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 um what seasons do you have in Russia? We have all four seasons. Yes. Okay. And um, the weather depends on the place you uh, come from exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, in Sochi, in mm-hmm. the city where we had uh, the last Olympic Games, uh, so the temperature like staying above zero the whole year usually. But on North, <laughs> the temperature can I know reach like minus fifty, minus fifty-five, sometimes maybe sixty. Depends on the region. So, oh. for example, when my mom worked in um, in a big company in Russia, and they had different departments mm-hmm. in regions. So, once she contacted the north one, and uh, uh, they discussed something that they should do, and the woman there told like, oh, unfortunately, we can't do this today. You know, it's minus fifty, so uh, the machine doesn't work. And I was like, of course, the machine doesn't work. work, but you are working, you know. <laughs> it will yeah. work because it's so cold. The machine has taken a freeze. That's what happened. <laughs> yeah, that's happened often. But really, we have like uh, in different regions, we have like different norms of temperatures. Yeah. I think. So, for example, uh, in my region, in Sverdlovsk, uh, um, children uh, should, can stay at home. For example, not go to school. If temperature drops to minus thirty, while on the north, children are going to school even if it's minus fifty sometimes. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they already of course, kind of weather. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and also like if adults are working, with whom can you? But children stay at home, so uh-huh. okay, yeah. So and also um, they have, of course, like uh, some transportation going on because mm-hmm. they, nobody will make children go alone like minus 50 or something mm. yeah great now let's talk about food what is the most common food in russia the most common food um you mean like traditional food or just you tell me okay <laughs> you tell me. um <laughs> so it's a bit tricky because we don't have um really like a national cuisine okay um, it it somehow uh, vanished, I think, or also um, sometimes we don't know exactly who created the dish. Like for example, uh, with borscht, uh, one of the famous dishes of ours, it's a soup. We can tell like, okay, maybe Ukrainian invented it, or maybe Russian. So we don't know for sure. Okay. But like, yeah, we we like eat soups and porridges, for example. Um, I never met anybody here who eats buckwheat, but we do. <laughs> who eats what? Yeah. Buckwheat. It's kind of corn. So, um, yeah. Corn. Kind of. Yeah. So, kind um, okay, it's not it's not necessarily corn, but it's similar. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, we usually cook it as a porridge, or we can eat it with milk or with meat. Uh, so yeah, it depends on how you want it, mm-hmm. right? Um, and well, we have uh, our famous I think salads with mayonnaise. Um, for example, um, for the New Year we cook something named uh, the herring, herring under a coat. So it's a fish, mm-hmm. salty fish in, uh, in oil sometimes. And then you put layers of vegetables on it with mm-hmm. mayo. So yeah, it's like a New Year dish. 
Okay. But also we have many, you know, regional dishes. Mm. For example, in Kazan, you can uh, try some Tatar dishes like ispechmak. It's like a small pie with uh, meat feeding. They have like really so many pies there with different feelings. Mm-hmm. So it kind of but you can... like meat pie. Mm? Like what? We have something called meat pie or fish mm. pie. It's like a pie and then it has fillings inside. Yeah, yeah, but also Tatars think they are differ from like usual ones because the form should be like different. It's or triangle or the round or something like this. So it's really interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they of course know this uh, better. I was uh, the guest in Kazan several years ago and I was completely lost <laughs> in so many new dishes for me. Yeah. Yeah. What's the strangest thing you've ever eaten? The strangest thing I've eaten? <laughs> well, you know, I uh, tried biryani here. <laughs> you tried uh, to what? Biryani. So, biryani? Um, okay. That's the... Yeah. Pakistani the friend Pakistani, of mine. Indian yeah. biryani? Yeah. Cooked biryani for me and uh, it was super spicy. Uh, we don't eat such a spicy food usually, so uh, he gave me a yogurt. I ate all the yogurt, not biryani. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the thing is that yes, it's like a mix of uh, rice, uh, spices, meat, and then it was some onion, and it was marinated onion. And so, <laughs> yeah, I've had biryani too, and I really liked it. But I know you don't like spice, so in in Russia. Spice is not tolerated, should I say? Like you don't eat spice. We don't eat much spice. Yes, like uh, we mostly use salt, pepper, mm-hmm. <laughs> and well, That's in it. latest year, like several years, yeah, we start eating like paprika and more stuff. But um, yeah, of course, nothing comparison with Indian or Pakistani food. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they, they eat a lot of spice. Okay, so now I'm asking you about the Russian language because I want I want to know what it sounds like, right? So just give me um, maybe your favorite hobby. You talk about your favorite hobby in English <laughs> or in English. And then Russian. So tell me your favorite hobby in English and then say the same thing in Russian, so we know what it sounds like. Okay, so um, it's my hobby, so I like to take photos, I like to read books and play volleyball. Yep. Mm-hmm. So in Russian it sounds like um, my hobby is photography, volleyball, and what did I say? Yes, I love to read a Especially Russian literature. Yeah, so I went a bit more. <laughs> yeah, okay. but uh, how did it? Kind of, I heard some things in English though. You said my hobby, right? Yeah, but it's I think international word. Ah, so okay. So, <laughs> so even in Russian, there's some words that are English. Like you borrow some words from English to use in Russian. That's what. Sure. Of course, we uh, well. Due to historical reasons, we uh, borrow some words from Germany, French, 
Mm-hmm. English words too sometimes. Okay. So oh, yeah. Sometimes when I uh, now I learn German and mm-hmm. I just see words, I uh, understand where they come from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We borrow okay. them. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing about language. I don't think there's any language that exists in isolation. You have to use words from other languages when you're making a conversation. Yeah, how they developing? Yeah, language of course. <laughs> yeah. Okay, now I want to understand how like festivals are celebrated in Russia. So, what is the biggest festival? Do you have any festival that is celebrated? And I remember um there was this celebration that you had at the Tiu Ilmenau um EAZ where we had to come and paint some things with colors so tell me about that like is that a big event that you celebrate in Russia i think it's the new year or something the russian new year or spring tell me, uh, tell me about the festival yeah so as for festivals i think the biggest one is maslenitsa it's um we celebrate that uh, uh, the spring started yeah so it uh, usually happens one of the first days of, of spring uh, i think in russia it's especially valid we have like really long and hard winters yeah. so for us it's always a big celebration and um, yeah we usually bake pancakes for it like the celebration takes the whole week so every day we do something different well if if you really religious you do this thing if you not really religious you just eat pancakes <laughs> whenever you want to yeah and in the end of the week we have like um yeah we like prepare this huge doll which we um get, got on fire in the end oh my god it sounds a bit strange a but doll. It, yeah i mean it's like a huge doll Uh-huh. which represents uh, a winter i believe okay yeah and then uh, we put on fire it and uh, it's like a big campfires mm-hmm. everywhere <laughs> in every uh-huh. city and in some mm-hmm. districts even like they have separate uh, festivals for this so yeah that's our typical celebration for muslims um mm-hmm. yeah As for celebrations, I think we, um, we don't celebrate uh, Christmas so much as here in Europe, but we celebrate New Year. And another like big uh, celebration for us is Victory Day. So those, I think, like the main celebrations in Russia. Okay, since we're talking about celebration, so how do you celebrate marriage and how is marriage process in Russia like? So uh, when two people decide to marry each other, they uh, should bring documents to special departments. Uh, every every district in every city has it. So you mm-hmm. just bring documents there, and they tell you like, okay, you can get married in a month, for example. So uh, they have to give you time to think about your decision, mm-hmm. uh, and then. Um, yeah, uh, people invite the families, uh, relatives, friends, and then, uh, yeah, just go, get married, and then you can, uh, yeah, like, celebrate it for a day or two, as okay. a close one. Usually, um, 
marriages happens on Friday, so you have like the whole weekend to party. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but sometimes if it's like not your first marriage, then uh, you can also do it on the weekdays. Oh, okay. It seems to me like it's not so much big celebrations, like it's maybe family. That depends on the couple, you know? (laughs) Because some couple really want like huge celebrations and somebody just want like, you know, family and close friends. But usually, um, yeah, people invite like the relatives and uh, like many people. So like 100 people, for example. And um, yeah, it's a time when you can meet uh, many relatives of yours because, for example, like mom of the bride and mom of the groom can say, okay, we need to invite those or those people. If we want to invite them, they will get offended, you know. <laughs> and yeah, sometimes, I can imagine. <laughs> uh, you know, bride and grooms, they meet uh, their relatives they never see in their lives, you know. <laughs> sometimes yeah. it's also happens. Yeah. Yeah, but um, in the last years it's like bride and groom decisions mostly, so okay. they invite everyone. Mm-hmm. And then how about like gender roles? So in Russia, how are gender roles perceived? Who, like in a typical home, who does what? Is it like this whole vibe of, you know, men going to work, women staying at home, being housewives or something like that? Like what is the gender role situation in Russia, typically? Mm, well, due to historical reasons, uh, both uh, women and men, uh, we we worked. So um, society expect us to work. Um, yes, of course, now uh, if uh, I know your husband gets enough money, then uh, yeah, his wife can stay at home. Nobody will tell anything. But in the USSR, um, like staying at home, being a housewife, or like just uh, not having a work, people couldn't afford them uh, mm-hmm. to do this. Uh, so society um, didn't like the situation. So everybody was working. Okay. And um, yeah, the thing is that just uh, women expect to also take care about children. Hmm. So you like doing two things at once. Yeah, because I was then going to ask about the inequality. So if a woman is supposed to work and the man is supposed to work, and then the woman is now supposed to take care of the kids as well. Feels like, you know, she's doing more than the man. Yeah, she's doing like two jobs at the, at the, the time, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah, now I would like to say that guys participate more in their baby's lives. But um, that depends on the guy, really. Yeah. Um, usually, our grandparents, well, I mean, our parents and grandparents of the child mm-hmm. uh, help us to take care of it. So, for example, when uh, like parents are going to work, then uh, you can leave your small child with grandparents, yes, or yeah. bring him to kindergarten. But um, yeah, in USSR, it was a common practice because um, people could get retired quite earlier. So mm-hmm. for example, women could get retired at age of 55, right? Mm-hmm. So they still have you know, time, energy, health to take care of their grandchildren. Now yeah. uh, we, now the new law came up uh, several years ago and we can retire later now. So okay. 
we don't know how the system will work, so with whom can we leave our children when uh, it's time for us to go to work? Yeah, but I kind of feel like it's similar in Africa because, you know, you can you can actually leave like your children with your grandparents to help raise them, especially like mm-hmm. for example, me, when I was a child, my mom told me that because of the work that and my dad were doing, they would drop me with my grandmother in the morning and then in the evening when they come back from work, they would pick me up. So I was basically with my grandmother for the first few years of my life as a mm-hmm. child. Yeah, so that's fascinating. So regardless of the different parts of the world, we, we have some things in common, you know, like, for example, how children are raised. Okay, so um, now I'm switching things up a little bit um, to death. So when people die in Russia, how is the burial carried out? So thankfully, I'm not uh, so, so close, familiar with the topic. But um, yeah, so when this uh, thing happens, usually um, yeah, the family take care of the body, of course, and um, sends a message to everybody who they think um, was like involved to the personal life mm-hmm. and invite them uh, for yeah for burying the body. Okay. Um, that also depends on religion, uh, because many nations marry many religions. But uh, like uh, for typical Russian situation, usually people go to church. Then uh, there is some special like service. Ah, what? Service like a wake keep. Yes, uh, like a special service is done. Then um, we bury the body in the cemetery, and then. Mm, yeah, people go to, you know, eat and uh, share the memories about uh, the person who died. Mm-hmm. And then on the ninth day, uh, yeah, the family should remember about the person again. So on the ninth day, nine. Yeah. So after after the death, on the ninth day again, uh, you like usually you know drink tea and tell some stories about the person and mm-hmm. then on the 40th day again there is because in orthodox church we believe that <clears throat> there are some stages that soul is going through mm-hmm. right so after the 40th days uh, we tell that okay the soul has left the body completely and uh, it's now in another world mm-hmm. yeah, so uh, we ce- we not celebrate but we like we have to remember the person uh, in those days, like okay, obligatory. Well, nine, day nine and day fourteen. Day nine and then fourteen. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I'm wondering. Well, I'm just kind of wondering why it's nine. Like, what is so significant about the ninth day and the fourteenth day? Yeah. So is as far as the number, is there something more? Is there something more than what you have told me? Is there like a thing? that is specific to the number of the day yeah so uh, that's the thing we believe that uh, the soul goes through different stages right after the death so at the day at the beginning after the death uh, it's I, 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 as far as I know it stays like close to the body can walk on the earth and can meet people 
with whom uh, it uh, communicates during the life, you know. And sometimes people like have like dreams about this person and stuff. So and that's we, between the sorry between the first and the eighth day, it is believed that the dead body, the spirit of the dead body, is probably roaming and making like final contact with the loved ones, family, yeah. friends. Yeah. Okay. And the day nine, the soul goes to the heaven and uh, uh, have like excursion in my <laughs> imagination. <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, and uh, then on the day 40, mm, uh, yeah, and then after the day 9, uh, so, I'm not really super close familiar with the topic, but, uh, yeah, so the soul should see, like, the heaven and the hell, and then on the day 40, it's, like, uh, the time for uh, it to be decided, like, to which part the soul yeah. belongs to. Yeah. So after this, uh, yeah, we can tell that the soul completely left uh, the body, and uh, yeah, we just mm -hmm. hope that uh, it will find its peace. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is the first time I'm hearing this, so I'm very, very, like, say, enlightened now because, like I said, I've never heard of this before, especially about the day nine, day fourteen. I've heard of you know people say something like when. The body when someone dies the spirit roams for a little while until it finds rest but the the whole procedure and then the whole judgment heaven hell yeah it's fascinating thank you for that um so maybe one um one or two more questions what is one misconception no maybe i won't ask that because you already talked about that the misconception about russia okay. right <laughs> so i'll skip yeah, that sure. what are you most proud of as a russian as a Russian, um, I think I'm very proud of our people. You know, we have so, so, so many uh, brilliant minds, mm -hmm. really. But um, it's always not easy for them to shine because um, of different reasons. But uh, yeah, like not everybody has a chance to realize their potential. That's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. And um, hmm, when those guys have a chance, they do amazing things. Like, you know, we have, uh, we did so much for science, for chemistry, for physics, for math, for uh, space. Yeah. <laughs> for, uh, yeah, for many stuff. We have, like, we did a great contribution, I think, to this world culture and scientific uh, progress. Mm -hmm. Like we sent the first uh, man to the space, yeah, uh, and yeah, many other things. So, mm -hmm. and unfortunately, we now face the problem of brain drains when um, people who don't have enough uh, chances to realize themselves they leave Russia. Mm -hmm. So, I really want uh, yeah, Russian people to have all the chances to be realized in their own country. Yeah, I can imagine. And that's such a very powerful point, though. Yeah, great. I didn't ask this question, though, but it just occurred to me to ask that if I were to come to Russia for a holiday, what is one place I should and must visit? One place. Oh. <laughs> oh. Well, if you want to see a real Russia, 
I think you should go to the regions, not to the capitals. Because we... Um, if you want usually, to see what? If you want to see real Russia. Real Russia, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You need to go to the regions, because we always tell that, you know, Moscow, our capital, is a complete new world. Like another country. Mm. The difference between Moscow and regions are like super huge. Uh, but I think if you would ever have a chance to go to Russia, mm-hmm. then uh, seeing Baikal Lake would be an amazing experience. Okay. Baikal Lake, you mean? Yes, it's the hugest reservoir of drinking water we have on the planet. Mm. And uh, it's super, it looks amazing. In winter, in summer, it's not so easy to go there, but okay. it's totally worth it. Uh-huh. Thank you. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> Great. So, could you describe the Russian flag for me? Yes, sure. So, it's um, we have like line of white, line of blue, line of red. <laughs> so this is the Russian flag. Yeah, I mean, simple, but means for us a lot, like um, the quiet is nobility, blue means loyalty, and red is courage. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think. Nice. Okay, thank you so much, Leona. I really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you for your time. And I've been able to learn fascinating things about Russia. And I'll keep that thank in mind. I'm for... going to the lake just to take some pictures <laughs> and say, you know what, I've visited Russia. <laughs> yeah. All right, then. Thank you, Lola, for inviting me. That was a nice experience, really. (laughs) The pleasure is mine. Thank you, everyone, for joining us in today's episode. I will catch you in my next one. But until then, don't forget to post to knowledge because what you know is never enough, okay? All right. Take care and bye.